After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to this here edition of After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. They're just commercials. Or are they? My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Has. We're your hosts. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. All right, coming up today, origin stories. We're going to look at ads that supposedly tell the story of a company's beginnings. I've been looking into a few, doing a little research. How many of these commercials are total bullshit, and how many are just partial bullshit we'll talk about that plus a uh, an editor of commercials has uh, has a beef with the way ads are being made these days i'm going to read to you uh his op-ed in its entirety i'm just oh, gonna good. read it to you don't worry <laughs> it should only take about 10 hours no it's an interesting argument I'll, I'll share it with you and uh and the ad council that's you guys um you guys have been filling up the new facebook group with your reactions with your posts uh your suggestions of commercials we talk about so we'll check in with some of that stuff speaking of genevieve speaking of we can't start the show right now without talking about our very special after these messages weekend that's right. That was uh, for those who tuned in to our very first Facebook Live uh, show. Thank you so much. We had so much fun. Uh, I had it exclusively fun because I didn't do all of the stressing and prepping for it. That was Andrew. So And it all paid off, too. After, uh, <laughs> because- uh, after days and days of trying to figure out the mechanics of it, we start off with the first minute of the uh, video being on its side. like a, Just like a couple of oldies who don't know how to I use know, the technology. I know, but I swear I Googled, can you do Facebook Live I'm not with blaming your phone you. in in landscape mode and it said yes so i don't know what was wrong with it but we got it figured out you had a you had a quick fix on the fly and then after that it was great i gotta say it was so much fun thank you for everyone who tuned in thank you for all the hundreds of comments and emojis and uh goo and whatnot it was really fun now um i had never used facebook live before but here's how it worked you you, obviously you're just kind of streaming a live video to everybody uh via facebook and we we were able to do this through the new uh after these messages facebook group it wasn't on my personal page so that was pretty cool when you're done streaming you can make a decision about whether or not you just want to delete the whole broadcast or if you want to save it i tried saving it to our group but then facebook was like um point of order (laughs) (laughs) this is all copyrighted material somehow their bots knew obviously well like literally everything in it was right something that someone else made except our voices because for those who weren't able to watch it it began with the camera focused on genevieve and i as we tried crystal pepsi by the way for those who weren't able to watch uh that live video uh, breaking news i believe it was listener curtis who hipped us to a gas station in Fremont that still had some bottles of uh, Crystal Pepsi. So we, we snagged those, did a little taste test. Then we put the camera right on our TV, kind of MST3K style, and uh, and watched about four full commercial breaks that we would recorded in the middle of the night on Fox and, News. Man, we saw... 
We, we saw s- we saw things. We saw some shit. We saw uh, we saw things we can never unsee. It was great. That was <laughs> it. Ended up being a lot of fun. I was really anxious about it. I am. I'm not joking when I say I had the night before Friday night. I had three separate nightmares about three different ways it could go wrong. Uh, these weren't daydreams. These were like legit nightmares that I had had. But it ended up being tons of fun. We'll find an excuse to do it again. Um, oh, I was gonna say. Uh, I did post the video to Facebook. Facebook said, dude, be careful. You don't own this stuff. But then there was a way to just be like, yeah, it's cool, bro. So I told Facebook, yeah, it's They're cool, bro. They're basically like, you, we, will, we will release this on your recognizance. Um, right. Post at your own risk. If you get sued, don't come crying to us. Right. And then I said, sue me. <laughs> sue me for what? As we've, as we've gotten older and have more assets, that joke becomes yeah. more macabre <laughs> right. every year. Uh, anyway, um, so that that video is still up. That's what I'm trying to get at here. If you did miss the live uh, broadcast, but you have uh, FOMO or uh, you want to go back and watch it again, you can watch it. You can actually watch it in real time with everybody's comments popping up i will my say sister, that was, my sister said she went she had to miss part of it and she went back and watched oh, it really? she said it holds up so you know what the cool thing is and this is no joke what i really like you know podcasting takes away that immediacy you and i are in here genevieve we record it and then we post this show almost immediately but you guys can't interact with us during the show so on facebook live as most of you probably know you guys are just sending in messages i think there was something like 300 and some over met, 400 over 400 like messages coming in in real time we're able to react to them as uh, I guess I shouldn't spend more time explaining to young people how uh, Facebook works, but it was really <laughs> cool, and I love that Im- that immediacy, and I love that uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, feedback loop. So uh, we will find an excuse to do it again. We will not be doing it every week. We will not be doing it every month. But we will do it again. Uh, maybe we'll set a new. Maybe membership a new goal. Bar. Yeah. Uh, how many people have moved over to the new group? About. I think we're like around three. 350 or 360. That's pretty good. Yeah, somewhere so in that neighborhood. if you are listening to the show and you don't know what we're talking about, quick recap, we had a Facebook page set up. We've changed it to a Facebook group. I go into some painfully uh, detailed explanation of that about three podcasts ago. You can look it up, but I'm not doing it again. Uh, but uh, just look into that because we're going to be sun- sunsetting the old page pretty soon, probably this week. As yeah, a I'm not going to post anything. I don't think I don't remember if I did it last week, but this week I definitely will not post any material to the old to page. the old page. And the, and the new page is so much fun. You guys are just really killing it, and and I, I love seeing all the commercial conversation going on there. So, all right. Uh, anyway, thanks again. It really was. Tons of fun this weekend, uh, and and uh, I yeah, just, we were on a high all day. It's afterwards. true, it's true because of all the coke we yes. did during it. We had to do a lot of coke you, to get ready. Missed. All right, let's talk about origin stories. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. You wondered if we we're gonna use Started the dirty one. Bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Speaking of songs that don't belong to us. Yeah. <laughs> That's my worst nightmare is that the bots on SoundCloud are going to catch wind of this at some point. Why am I inviting trouble here? Let's talk about uh, commercials. Um, all right. We've talked about this commercial that I'm about to mention before, Vase, but I think it's a great place to start. I think it's a great reference point for the kinds of commercials we're talking about. This is the subway spot that came out, I'm going to say about nine months ago or something like that. It was after the Jared fiasco for yes. Subway. Um, so they lose when J- their... When, fi- when Subway was like, 
casting about for basically any other ad strategy. Right, yeah, of course. What about Tony Hale? What's Tony Hale doing these days? Right. Big Bird. (laughs) Big Bird doing? Get the HBO money now. Um, (laughs) So Subway loses its longtime spokesperson, and they need a new ad strategy. And they did try a couple of things, but the one that I saw in pretty heavy rotation there um, was this one, which is called, it's called Founders. And um, I'm going to just hit play. Back in 1965, Subway's founders, Fred DeLuca and Dr. Peter Buck, teamed up with one simple mission. Fresh sandwiches. I like it. The idea seemed crazy in a time when artificial foods and gimmicks were all the rage. But roller skates didn't make food any fresher, and mascots didn't make it any tastier. As it turned out, Fred was right. Sandwiches made with freshly baked bread, fresh veggies, and delicious meats would stand the test of time. We were fresh before. So as the um, as the commercial goes on, you start to see uh, you know all the imagery at the beginning is from like you know the mid '60s when Subway is brand, brand new, and then uh, as the commercial goes on, you start to see it uh, kind of uh, become more of a modern Subway experience uh, over time. And those early '60s, the, the the treatment of these early '60s scenes, Vives. I don't think we have to go into detail on this commercial because we've already talked about. It. I think it's a pretty good. I think it was a pretty good move for them, even if it was just kind of a we'll do this for now until we figure out a bigger yeah, strategy. It's a, it's a pretty stop. safe. It's yeah. real safe. It's a good stopgap. It's fairly well produced. Yeah, yeah. I still can't hear without thinking Peter Buck then went on to found REM, but oh, I never, I didn't even make that connection. Um, but I, I think that. There's a new commercial out now that really irks me that feels like a pretty pretty close direct ripoff to this. I mean, as much as telling your company's origin story or a version of your origin story can really be a ripoff, I'm sure it's a, a tried and true tradition in, in commercials to do this kind of stuff. But the commercial I'm thinking about is on the air now, and it's for Chili's. And it does something very similar. It looks at the very first restaurant of Chili's, which was in uh, Dallas, Texas. And um, it uses this same kind of uh, kind of color tone and color scheme, that yeah, nostalgic I'm sure you have an Instagram thing. filter that has right. this color scheme. It's very like warm and kind of washed out. Now, the difference in the Chili's one is they are portray- portraying Chili's in its early days as being like a more of almost I almost want to say like a hippie roadhouse Honestly, sort of. It looks like the Manson family. <laughs> so, so this was 1975. Um, I'm pretty sure I'll double check that in a second. And it's like it's more like a bar in this commercial. And they're all um, the, the, in another ad. I'll play for you in a second. This is part of a series. Uh, they call themselves the Burger Hippies. They claim that they were called the Burger Hippies back then. And it's like, yeah, the Beatles f- wrote a whole album about them. <laughs> yes. And if you play it backwards, it says <laughs> Frankfurter. Um, so, well, you're in a good mood, man. These are not good jokes I'm throwing out there, but you're biting and I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a laugh track. <laughs> Warm up the audience. <laughs> That's great. So, um, and, and it's just like a real party scene. So I'll let you listen to this voiceover and just know that what's happening in the background or, or the, is this kind of like... It's almost kind of grainyish footage of like mid nineteen seventies party people. A lot of flannel, a lot of mesh back hats. Very Texas working class. Mm-hmm. You know, having a beer and and you know, Chili's is just Chili's is the kind of gritty place to be. Nice crunchy guitar. 
Who is this? Do you know? Isn't the product of some I mean, it sounds like T Rex. Fog hat. Oh. And it wasn't started by a bunch of sticks and suits. Oh. Heck, some days we didn't even wear shirts. They show like some of the guys outside playing uh, horseshoes with their shirts off. Chilling since '75. So the real key there is like we didn't start as like a, what it was a bunch of corporate guys in business suits or right, whatever. Right, like said. a like we didn't start as the place that they go to have lunch in office space. <laughs> right, flingers or whatever it's called, tchotchkes. Um, so I. Have been seeing that on TV lately, and I'm just like, this is that video, like, utter crap. Who who knows what they're if that video that we're seeing, if that actual footage we're seeing is really is really from anything related to Chili's. It reminds me so much of a place that you and I used to go in LA sometimes called Oh God, what you know is like it's called like Davies Good Time. Oh yes, something yeah, or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA people will probably know this place. It's um, uh, it's like this sort of speakeasy type of place but it's it's like hyper stylized and meant to be like a 70s sort of like rec room vibe good time at davy wayne's there it is good, good times, times at, davy, at wayne's. davy wayne's yeah and it's like a place that all your favorite characters from um uh, uh days and confused would hang out right so it, once they are like older exactly or it's like the basement in that 70s show and so it's this very like stylized like sort of recreation of a 70s uh lounge uh, house and people hang out there and it, and it is like it's real it's like a lot of scene stirs but they're clearly trying to create the environment that that Chili's ad is trying to create now I wanted to really dig deep on this because I just there's something about this commercial just screams of bullshit to me but I only had about like I because I wanted to go into a bunch of these I only had like 15 minutes or something to i know i've been really mia because i've been no really no no i'm not saying that work. i'm just saying that like i mean i honestly feel like i wish it could be my job to dig into this chili's commercial and really look up the history of chili's if i could have like half a day to do it yeah. will somebody pay me to do that please um but i did go to the company's uh website and looked at the it's now owned by brinker international and they have a little timeline with some photos of their uh, restaurant. And I also cross-checked this with uh, Wikipedia, which everybody knows is the most uh, the, the best place to get your information online. Um, so it is true that in March of 1975, they opened this, this place in uh, Dallas. It's uh, Chili's Grill and Bar. And you can see a picture of it from the outside there, Vives. It's like, you know, it doesn't look like the one in the commercial. Definitely the outside shots makes it seem like. It's like almost in a more rural area where there'd be a campfire outside and stuff. But it's on a busy street corner here in Dallas. Um, and then here's a picture of the inside of it. Now, it definitely has a much... It doesn't look like a Chili's today. It looks like a restaurant in Although 1975. those tiles on the table are still... They still do those tiles Did on the table. Did you notice that? Yeah, I didn't notice the tiles on the table in the commercial until I saw this photo and then went back and I was doing like it's a bunch funny. of It's funny. You know what it is? It's like looking at this picture. When you go into a Chili's now, it's like they've made a theme park version of the original. Yeah. That's a good point. A lot of like just a lot of random pictures on the wall who kick kick back and like they apparently what I'm getting at here is this commercial is not quite as much bullshit as I said. Now, this does not look like the type of vibe that that commercial gave gave off. This looks like a pretty, you know, kickback, low key place where you could go with your family and get some burgers or something. This other place, you wouldn't like 
if you were like 14, you wouldn't want to go with your parents there, right? It's right. just like, it looks like it's a party bar all the time, man. Yeah, a real the burger hippies. But it was, looked like it was like a, it was a restaurant. And so, yeah, they had humble beginnings. Maybe they weren't started by um, a bunch of people in business suits. But, uh, and you know, these companies that started back in the 70s, um, they, they branched out, by the way. Three years later, they started their uh, second one in Houston. It looks like they started it in a renovated house. So yeah. still has kind of a casual feel to it. But I don't know. There's just something about the the dazed and confused quality of these partiers that just I like think get they under took my some skin. raw materials and constructed a bit of a idealized or romanticized narrative around it. That's exactly what they did. I was reading about it in Adweek, and um, yeah, they said they dug through like the. I believe the original owner is still alive. Actually, as a matter of fact, I think it's Brinker. I think that's his name. That's why it's called Brinker International. Um, and so he tried to do some reminiscing. They say now this is what they're telling Adweek, and they went through a bunch of old photos and tried to recreate those early days. But obviously, listen, to- I'm not an idiot. Like I know you're not going to make a documentary and turn it into. A commercial, so I don't know why this irritates me. But I once worked for a company um, whose founder was still living, uh, but was quite elderly, and we were constantly trying to interview her and get like more nuggets about the founding of the company to like construct an origin story, an, a, a kind of creation myth, the way Microsoft or or not really Microsoft, mm-hmm. but like Apple has when you like it was founded in someone's garage. Is it Apple or Microsoft that's found in the garage? Anyway, a bunch of those tech companies like to They pretend. were all started in garages. They were all started in garages. But yeah, and I mean, I, so I get why they did this, right? Like they have, the, they have an asset in this living founder who actually, in theory, remembers what his motivations and, and like experiences were with this very successful company. I mean, you got to give it to them. There's like a Chili's in every town in mm-hmm. America. Um, and so you have this uh, this asset in the sky, and like nostalgia is a, a really you can capitalize a lot on nostalgia. It's very valuable. It makes sense as a strategy. Yeah, and also to distance yourself from that, like you know what the, we think of as a Chili's today, right. which like you say from. Uh, but what are they trying to get at with that? Because Chili's is very successful as a suburban sales have been slumping, ah. according to to what I was looking at. So they, if you notice, now this gets a little bit too too detailed, probably intercut between the shots of the fun, love, and hippies. The good time Davy Wayne's um, are the very cl- the very standard sh- close up shots that you see in every fast casual. I was reading a little bit about this today. So they're taking the old and mixing it with the new. In between these, there's just like a close-up of French fries being salted with this good sea salt-looking stuff or lettuce be, you know, tossed in the in, in the colander or, mm-hmm. or whatever, stuff like that. By the way, I don't want to play this one. I don't think we have time, but you mentioning um, the company founded in a uh, – in a garage, and I can't remember if it's Apple or Microsoft, it might even be both, but Dell did a whole ad in 2014 where they kind of paid tribute to all these tech companies that were started in garages and kitchens and whatever, and they go around, they just take these shots I'm showing you on the screen here. Oh, yeah. Shazam started in 2000 Under around a, a kitchen counter. Uh, Dropbox started in a train in 2007. They show an empty train seat. It's like at this very cool nighttime feel. I like and that. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, and Anyway, and their their point being like they all use Dell. They all use Dell. For I their- don't exactly. Yeah. And, well, the, at the very last shot, they show Dell's origin point, and I can't remember. It's yeah. something similar. Um, to be honest with you, I watched that today with the sound down, so I don't know if there's any voiceover or or how it all ties together. But it's it's got a good vibe. Um, here, I'm just gonna play one more of these um, Burger Hippies commercials. You're so mad at them. I don't know why. It's not when fair. When we started Chili's, people called us the hamburger hippies. No, they didn't. Maybe, Maybe they the did. Maybe the name I still know. fits. I wish that 
100% grass-fed beef. New on any of our handcrafted all-natural burgers. Chili's. Chilling since 75. Okay, I'm going to play one more 15-second for you because I want... Because I think the music is very effective as well, but I have a question about this one. When Chili's first opened, you didn't need to be a millionaire to have a good time. All you needed was a few bucks. And maybe a mustache. Now get a burger, salad, and a mini molten cake for $10. Chili's. Chilling since 75. Okay, do you recognize that music? Is that ZZ Top? ZZ Top. Do you know the name of the song? And by the way, t- at least two of these are off of the Days and Confused soundtrack. It just occurred to yeah. me. That, so uh, they really are. Yeah, that first one was someone, off the Days Someone and had a vision board when right. they started this campaign. Yeah. Anyway, the name of that song is Tush. And I just think it's weird uh, uh Lord, just looking for some tush. Isn't that what the lyrics are on oh, that? I don't anyway, know. I'm spending way too much time on this. I just think it's weird to sell food uh, with a song called Tush playing in I the background. I think it's hilarious to imply that burger hippies want a molten, a mini molten chocolate cake. Oh, I was so focused on the music. I blanked out on that one. Anyway, if we're, if I'm going to give that a, a, a truth, you know, a truth scale, I'll give it a... Yeah, PolitiFact this for me. Uh, what what should be our... Okay, so the biggest liar would be Trump. No, PolitiFact does like their scale is like true, mostly true, oh, okay. half true, mostly false, false, pants on fire. I'm going to say bell bottoms on fire. <laughs> no, I, you know, most, most probably... What's the middle one? Half true. Half true. I think it's a mostly true. Honestly, I think it's sort of a lens. I think it's a lensing thing here. You know, like it's a it's a framing issue. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm sympathetic coming from a marketing background myself, but it doesn't seem like they lied about anything. I mean, I guess they just romance. I guess we can it. never prove that someone didn't call them burger right. hippies. The, for the record, I'm all cranky about this commercial. I want it to be a hundred percent clear. I don't think that I'm right to be cranky about that commercial. I don't know why it gets under my skin. It just does. I wonder if it's the juxtaposition of what you know about Chili's as a company and like the experience that you would have at a Chili's, which would probably be somewhat frustrating for you versus this like, oh, man, we just hang out and drink beer all day. The thing is, I don't even hate Chili's. I was saying today on TBTL that actually... We don't really go to chain restaurants at all, but like, you know me, I'm so lazy when going out. Like, I don't want to wait or get reservations for some fancy place. I'd be fine if you said, hey, you want to go to Chili's tonight? I'd be like, yeah, let's not tell our friends, you know, <laughs> or let's get or- all of our friends and go together and make it a thing. <laughs> uh, but it, you get in between there and it gets embarrassing. But uh, so I don't even really have a problem with, I wouldn't be frustrated if you wanted to go to Chili's tonight. I just think that comparing it to the um, Subway one, which I think it's very comparable. The Subway one is pretty straightforward. We were a sandwich shop. We were a small, single sandwich shop, and we grew. But we're basically the same. This makes it sound like Chili's is like party time. If anything, TGI Fridays of this kind of class. They deserve the party mantle. Because it's called TGI Fridays. (laughs) I mean, their whole thing has always been like, it's the weekend. It's it's time to party. Now, obviously, it's, you know what? I'm going to stop because we have more commercials to get through. And I've talked about Chili's way too much. All right. I want to play this commercial. I didn't even remember this. You put this on the list. It's for Stouffer's, I guess, frozen meals. Um, And it starts uh, in the 1920s um, with a a woman. They only call, I think, interestingly, they only call her Mrs. Stouffer. By 1924, Mrs. Stouffer raised two boys, inspired a business in Cleveland, and raise the standard for easy homemade family meals. Today, her high standards live on. It's why we use freshly made pasta in our lasagna, topped with real mozzarella and aged parmesan, and no preservatives. 
Just a delicious meal you can feel good about serving your family. Made with love. The way Mrs. Stouffer made it. Stouffer's. Made for you to love. Kind of good production value. It begins with, quote-unquote, Mrs. Stouffer uh, feeding her family in a kitchen. Then it goes through and you see the evolution of the company. Um, but then it ends with a modern family again eating Stouffer's with a, a modern mother serving yes, it Yes, during that, during that narration, when they say she inspired a company, you see her standing in front of a like a new business opening, and then at some point she's standing in a bank as if she is getting a loan or something. First of all, the balls on Stouffer saying we that's why we make our pasta with fresh, that's why we make our lasagna with fresh pasta. Yeah, I guess all pasta is fresh at some point, but... <laughs> You're not getting fresh pasta. You're making, well, yeah, we you make get, it with fresh pasta. If you are, are using frozen lasagna. And secondly, I take, as I listen closely to the narration here, I take exception to a lot of their little, their little dodges and parsing of language. She inspired a business. What does that mean? It don't sound like she started a business. Right. And I thought They're trying was- to pass it off as a sort of like feminist narrative. And it, I have a strong feeling, and maybe you've done the research and will tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I have a strong feeling that um, she is not the hero of her own story in real life. Um, well, and I also thought it was very telling that it said Mrs. Stouffer, because immediately I was about to Google her name. I'm like, Mrs. Stouffer, WTF. So I started looking around. I found a very detailed timeline. It was interesting. It was both very detailed but lacked, lacked context of, like, the step-by-step progression of this company. Um but it was on a WordPress site, and while it seemed super detail-oriented, I also wasn't sure where they were getting their information. And But it did not mention a Mrs. Stouffer at all. And I was like, is this a total, like, pants on fire? Um, is this a total uh, flapper on fire, in this case, you would call it? <laughs> but I then found a more interesting, uh, more contextual article um, from... Mental floss, and I'm looking for a date on this. My guess is this is probably a few years old. And it's just called 10 Things You Might Not Know About Stouffer's. And I found this very interesting. So it did start, and by the way, this story does actually incorporate um, Alina, her name is, and it does explain her role in it. So uh, in 1914, Abraham Stouffer and his father, James, opened... The Medina County Creamery. I grew up in Medina County. How did I not know it? I had no idea that Sto. Wait, is there? I'm about to embarrass myself because there's a building, I think, in Cleveland that is like the Stouffer Center or something. I think I just be. didn't. There must be, but right? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I'm sure there is. But like, if it just never kind of came up, like, why would you necessarily associate that with this Stouffer's? Yeah. Let me just type in Cleveland Stouffer's building because it just occurred to me there's a famous building that I think actually might have broadcast. Uh, um, uh, I'm not I'm not seeing it, so let, let's move on. But this story is, was especially interesting to me because it has some very specific places, not just Cleveland writ large, but some very specific places that, um, that I used to live. So, again, reading from Mental Floss, it started as a creamery and dairy stand in 1914 um, by Abraham and his father, James. That was in Medina County. Uh, the same year, they also opened a dairy stand at um, uh, Sheriff Street, which 
which is, I think is in, in actual Cleveland, to sell buttermilk and cheese products. So it started as a dairy company. Then, two years later, Abraham and his wife, Lena, moved to Lakewood, Ohio. What? What? <laughs> uh, Lakewood, Ohio is where I lived for a long time. I have very, very fond memories of Lakewood. I love it, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, that's where they uh, managed a new creamery in Lakewood. Um, and then they turned it into a coffee shop and a restaurant. So this telling of the story from Mental Floss really includes um, Lena in, in the story a lot more. Um, it says that they started a coffee shop and they sold Lena's Dutch apple pies. In 1924, they opened a full-fledged restaurant and called it Stowe for Lunch on East 9th Street. Uh, Stowe for Lunch served five sandwiches for about a quarter each. And then um, the sons start getting involved. But, uh, I mean... It's subtle, but reading this Mental Floss article, which is not – it doesn't have anything to do with the commercial, you do get the impression that it was a family operation yeah. and that Lena really was it. looks like there's there the next generation got in on it and brought some more business savvy to it with a, with a business degree. Yeah. They also ended up buying some hotels, by the way. They got in the hotel business for a while. Um, they had a penthouse restaurant in New York City at one point. Um, I actually found it a pretty interesting read and an interesting history. I Why do you think? they wouldn't have said lena in the commercial though i don't know i it's that is a weird thing like why not just say lena stouffer it just adds legitimacy to it because you're right like the way that is worded everything seems dodgy and i wonder if like they had more of an andrew walsh on their staff who was kind of like guys i don't want to bend the truth too much like let's keep it so that like technically all of this stuff is but it still doesn't make sense that you wouldn't say Lena. Yeah, I don't know. who knows? I don't, who and I, like a lot of the language in that ad, I find a little um, obfuscatory. Yeah, she. You can get some letters about that. Yeah. We love the way Genevieve talks. <laughs> um, but yeah, saying that she inspired a restaurant is kind of interesting. I would say kind of helped start a restaurant at the very least, right? Yeah, but the but the images that we're seeing here... Oh, she's not in a bank. She's in her restaurant. She's in her restaurant holding some sort but of a... they really like edit out the men in the story, mm-hmm. but it feel, you could feel the editing happening. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's like, just, why not make it a family story? Like the Stouffer family. Well, because Lena, I think... Abraham, and... Jim Bob or whatever. Because they're trying to make the argument that, like, moms care about what, you know, it's a, it's a, even, you could say, oh, it's uh, trying to be more feminist by focusing on the woman. No, it's actually the opposite of that. I think it's like moms feed their families and moms care about what they feed their families, just like Mrs. Stouffer did. Yeah, but the way she's kind of depicted and she's depicted as very glamorous, like not some sort of like apron wearing, you know, flower covered old woman she's extremely glamorous in that yeah. 20s way i i think they just have a sort of confused idea of what their target market is yeah or we have a confused idea about what the point of that ad is <laughs> you know what i mean like i mean it's, it's not it's, their, on, it's not our job to get the ad right it's their job to get the ad right i guess but also i i think that you and i we like to look at these as little individual pieces of art and some people do and some people don't and some people in the and people in the industry do but at the most part like you just want to throw some flashy images that like don't dro- drive people away and that just are kind of on in the background a bunch and then it kind of sticks with you and you think oh stofers yeah like you know old-timey family old-timey goodness old-timey goodness all right i want to talk about another commercial that oh, irritates yeah. me i'm sorry that i'm so I'm nice. so on my G's today. I hate You're these so commercials oh, so much. Oh, I kind of like these. Okay, so these are the uh, the series of commercials that started about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, um, with the Dodge Brothers, yep. the two men who I, can't, I don't have their names in front of me, the two men who 
started the Dodge Company, which actually started as an auto parts company. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. Um, and the write-ups I, I read of this kind of describe it as a very um, great Gatsby scene. The, the commercial that I know the best is the two brothers are racing their cars. and Through the years. Through the years. So they start with the earliest I, I've Dodges. I've seen that one, but this, this predates that one. This is yes. more about like setting up the story of the Dodge brothers and who they were and how they came to be. And this is very Gatsby. Yes. And so this one that came first, which I saw for the first time today, I think, is just like this big party going on um, in the 19, I guess that'd be the 1920s again yeah. um, and here take a listen as boys the Dodge brothers made their own bicycle John went on to hold office Horace supported the orchestra they raced yachts their lives were big but their dreams were even bigger a hundred years later this is how their spirit lives on. Wow. Dodge, not afraid to say that their founders were assholes. <laughs> how so? I've never seen this one. I had seen it. I had I had seen a different one where they talk about the more about like the work that they put into founding the Dodge company. Uh-huh. This is a com- this is an ad all about them at a big, you know, uh just crazy 20s party totally a gatsby party they're literally these brothers are in you know their tuxedos literally swinging from chandeliers um you know jumping out into like trampolines bowling down uh on parquet floors and 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 destroying crystal glasses like basically this is an this is a an ode to conspicuous consumption Huh, that's so funny. Like, I, I don't think it makes them assholes. I think it makes them big partiers. Let's assume that who's ever throwing this party, they look whether like it's wastrels. Or, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, but we waste things at parties, too. I mean, just not to this level of excess. Yeah, but I wouldn't make it my marketing strategy for myself. Right. I wouldn't put on my business card. Well, don't worry. This is all bullshit. This is total (laughs) bullshit. Listen to this. I'm so relieved. Um, This is from the Detroit News, although I was reading a whole bunch of different um, articles about it. They even say in like they release these commercials for everybody but then they re- they release press releases to go along with it which nobody really reads except for industry people right the press release says it mi- it mixes legend with history yeah. it just makes it up the campaign which launched saturday this is from uh, october of 2014 so it's a little bit older than i thought it's to- like as truthful as those captain morgan ads Oh, right. That, makes, that uses we that should rely, have, We should that have used that, right. <laughs> John and Horace Dodge created the Dodge Brothers motor car uh, 100 years ago. It imagines the brothers' elaborate lifestyles and how they would be proud of the 2015 uh, Dodge muscle car. Now, obviously, the other commercial that I mentioned where, where the two brothers are always competing and so they're racing in cars, and then as time goes on, they're racing in more and more modern version of Dodge's. Obviously, that's fantasy. I'm not getting my boxers in a twist about that. Right. I get it. But this one makes a bunch of claims about like supporting the arts. Yes. And very specific very things. Very specific did he claims. Not, did he not support I can't, the arts? Did he not run for office? I couldn't fact check whether or not he held public office or, or uh, supported the arts. I didn't. I, I, I actually, we maybe if I had a little bit more time here, uh, John and Horace Dodge uh, uh, are their names. Um, maybe I better do that for next week. Let me just see if they ever held office. But actually, they're pretty Let's straightforward. Let's ask the ad council to do it. Somebody look that up. <laughs> but for the most part, like they're straight up like, yeah, these are these are bullshit. This is legend. This yeah. is how we imagine these guys were like, which is just so 
irksome. It is irksome. I, I, I'm fine with the legend if they want to have them swinging from chandeliers or, you know, partying or whatever. Like, obviously, that's that's just fantasy or, or could never be anything but supposition. But things like they ran for office or mm-hmm. they supported the arts, like... That really, you really need to fact check that. Yeah, that uh, that kind of drives me crazy. So um, that is, I'm pretty sure. All I, I mean, unless we want to, we don't want to listen to the uh, the the race car one. Oh, by the way, later on they brought back four more of those directed by Adrian Brody. In oh, poking around, I found some interviews with him, and uh, people were just kind of interested in why he wanted to be directing commercials. And he actually kind of said some interesting things about like someday he does want to direct a film or maybe another film. I don't know if he's ever directed one before but there's just a little bit more kind of freedom in the format and in the kind of working with various kind of entities and he just found a kind of like a a good place to kind of he said it's almost more like making independent films in a certain way which is counterintuitive you would think what's more commercial than commercials but uh i I feel like we've talked to other people in the industry was it cat our guest cat solon who talked about that a little bit like some of the some of the surprising ways in which because a commercial doesn't have so much infrastructure and budget attached to it that like a movie does you do have a little bit more freedom to try things i believe that yeah that sounds fun okay i have one here on the list that i added today that i didn't talk to you about i don't know if you've ever seen this before i did not but here it is from 2013 the mr clean origin story we see it we see an old farmery kind of guy getting out of his truck and uh and uh, walking up the stairs home, it's it's late at night. He's probably been in the fields all day. His wife is uh, waiting for him. The year is probably 1940-something. No one can say for certain where he came from. Now we see, <laughs> certainly... Well, I can tell you where this is located. We see a... In the middle of the a, Uncanny a, Valley. Exactly what I was going to say. We see... A baby Mr. Clean, uh, who is like, it's a cartoon Mr. Clean interacting in this real world, and it is 100% in the Uncanny Valley. Like, it's not cartoonish enough, but it's not real enough, and it's just weird. And it's basically the Superman story, only for Mr. Clean. Oh Watch my this. God. So, uh, sudden, so we saw the farmer walk into the house at night, and, and then the next day the sun rises, and the farmer and his wife come out onto the porch and there's a baby Mr. Clean on the porch with a cloth scrubbing the porch. Certain where he came from. Ew. But they're certain he was born to clean. See, while most little boys always find ways to make messes, he'd always find ways to uh, get How rid bad of is that? Now he's like a teenager in his room cleaning, but he's like just wearing his white socks. Yeah, they and never shorts. put him in regular clothes because he always has to look like Mr. Clean. <laughs> it's so, so he's always just weird. wearing like tidy whities and a white t-shirt. <laughs> it's so as weird. He, like, as he like wanders around this 1950s town. Yeah, now we're getting closer into the 1950s and he's growing up a little bit. Ways to make messes. And remember, he's a he weird cartoon. Everyone else is real. He's wearing boxers, by the way. He not had plenty whities. of friends. But a different idea of fun. The friends are looking at a bike. He's looking As at a mop. As he grew older, his curiosity grew with him. So he left the home he loved to learn more. He's joining an airplane. And when he learned finds higher he education. His passion drove him further. Now he's finding old artifacts in the Why? jungle somewhere. Why is Mr. Clean going to see cave 
painting. This would be awesome if he starts trying to clean that cave wall. This is yes, and it was like those kids, <laughs> like, yeah. those kids who ruined that uh, that that glyph in some. There's like uh, recently, there's a famous like one of the oldest known cave drawings, uh, you know, in the world. And some children, I think it was in somewhere in Europe, and some kids in an effort to like make it more visible to to guests, yeah. and visitors, basically like vandalized it to death by digging in, by digging, like in. kind of tracing over yeah. top of it. This though reminds me, if he were to wash these these symbols off the wall, it would be more like the lady in Italy, the cleaning oh. lady who washed the, the yeah, fresco painting, yeah, and then tried to fix it. Until the day finally came, he learned everything there. Was. He's I'm sorry I keep pausing in is the middle he in the of a cultural word. revolution. He's now like now he is now it's like um he's somewhere in an eastern country and it's almost like uh Batman in uh Batman Begins is that the one or where like any time any kung fu movie where like right. someone goes and gets like training from the kung fu master. Right. So he's out doing um some sort of uh, eastern calisthenics until the day finally came. He learned everything there was to learn. About getting rid of grime. Oh yeah, it's totally killed. He's, it's totally Uma Thurman and Kill yeah, Bill. He's holding two full buckets out, full of water at arm's reach because he's strong and clean. This is so bonkers. I the amazing it. part: he wasn't doing it for himself. He's walking around he the was world doing it to help others. You're right. It's totally kung no fu. Matter who they were, where they lived, or how big the mess was. He's walking the earth, helping people clean. Exaggerated over time, he's, but one thing's for sure. When it comes to clean, there's only one mister. Okay. That is a swing and a miss. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to, I want you to um, close your eyes <laughs> and listen to it again. But instead of picturing Mr. Clean, I want you to pretend they're talking about me. But they're certain he was born to clean. <laughs> See, while most little boys always find ways to make messes, he'd always find ways to get rid of them. Check. He had plenty of friends. No. But a different idea of fun. Anyway, I love it. It's like a little it's like a little Andy wanting to clean the house all the time. Oh my god, that is terrible. I think you hate it because not only do you hate the production value and you apparently hate the idea, I think maybe you also just hate clean freaks like me. I so. do I do hate cleaning. I mean, it reminded even before you told me to think of you. Like, of course, I I thought of you right away like a little boy born to clean. <laughs> um, but like it's just it's just such a crazy dumb idea that that does not sell their product at mm. all to me like do you know like i like for food or restaurants the origin story matters because mm. it's about like the feeling that you have that you associate with it particularly restaurants i think things the places that you go to mm-hmm. the origin stories matter um even with technology, I can kind of see it. It's kind of like, you know, it's the idea of inspiration and innovation that, like, you know, pervades this product. I do not understand what they thought this was going to add to their marketing or brand. Well, I, mean, you, I mean, it's definitely supposed to be funny. It's a comedy, of course. I, yeah, I also don't find it amusing. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Okay, I want to read to you uh, the quick description of it from Adweek, and then we'll move on to commercials in the news. Um, this was written by Sam uh, either Thielman or Thielman. I don't know how to pronounce it. And usually, like, so this was an ad of the ad of the day a while back, like mm-hmm. you, three, four years ago. Um, and usually they're pretty straight write-ups, I thought. 
But I'm halfway through this little write-up of this ad, and I realize that Sam is having some fun with it. He says, but there are some things this spot doesn't tell you. The shaky cam over the shoulder shots of Mr. C walking down the pier notwithstanding. This isn't the whole truth. This ad doesn't address, for example, Mr. Clean's much-debated role in the death of painter Jackson Pollock in 1956, two years before the beginning of his mainstream career. Of course, Jackson Pollock, very messy painter. It also leaves out the crippling obsessive-compulsive disorder with which the great P&G mascot has struggled since childhood. It's true that he will, quote, clean your whole house and everything that's in it, but it's also true that he has to touch the doorknob three times before he leaves a room and has developed a skin condition from watching his hand so often. That's pretty great. Uh, Adwick, Adwick I actually it. has some really funny writing sometimes. I guess I don't read it enough. That's uh, that that pretty that's pretty good. So okay, let's leave it there. You want to check in with commercials in the news? Yes. Commercials in the news. All right. I'm really kind of stretching the definition of news here, but uh, I like to use that sounder as much as possible. And I came across an article in uh, Ad Age this week that I thought was pretty interesting. I mentioned at the top of the show, actually a, um, uh, a, a an op-ed, not so much of an article, by uh, Maury Loeb. Um, he is a uh, editor and partner at PS260, some sort of creative firm. And uh, his argument, as I said at the top... Oh, I guess I didn't get into the what his argument is. Um... Here's what he's saying. As you guys probably know, the life of a commercial will often follow this trajectory. The the ad agency and, you know, the company they're making the commercial for will come up with a concept that they love. And we've seen this happen. Usually they will make one big commercial. I think the Super Bowl is the perfect example of this. Like maybe you get like you really spend a lot of money. You make a minute long commercial. But it doesn't have to be in the um, Super Bowl. Maybe the first time you see a commercial during a football game or any kind of high viewing time, you'll see these really lush one minute long commercials that follow this narrative arc. And they're just like really good. But obviously – that commercial is then going to run a million more times during everything from Two Angry Men. What is that show? Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men. What's the anger one? Um, oh, Anger Management. Yeah. Okay. Either You know what I mean? They're, yes. They're Anything not, with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> right. I get it. They're not going to air these one-minute commercials <laughs> during reruns of Two and a Half Angry Men. So what they do is they chop them up, and they take this original one-minute thing, and then they kind of like reformat it right. and try to like take chunks of it and re-edit it. So there's a 30-second commercial and then often a 15-second commercial. And Maury is making the argument that that is outdated, and we just need to stop doing that. And it's especially outdated because of all of the different platforms that things are on. And he's saying that you're wasting tons of money by trying to repurpose. The argument would be, dude, it's really expensive to write a different script for four different commercials. That's why this whole, that's why this is an economy of scale. Exactly. Um, But he's saying you can't afford though to be making these commercials in this day and age if they're just not going to be effective. Now, he doesn't get into numbers about whether or not these watered-down commercials, as he calls them, are less effective. But he points out that, like, 
Geico does the perfect job with with those pre-roll ads that you see in commercial. Yeah, you which know, we've covered. Right. And other other companies might just take their one-minute ad, figure out a way to make a 15-second pre-roll out of it, put it at the beginning of your YouTube video and you suffer through it or whatever. Whereas Geico does these things where they made very specifically for that format these pre-roll ads that says, you can't skip this ad because we're already skipping it for you. And right. they do a very clever joke that goes along with that. There's a web component where you can go to see the bigger... Like, it is brilliant brilliant in every way yeah, and now, he's saying we need more of that as i said in the last episode i god only knows what kind of ad budget geico has because they are able to churn out just hundreds and hundreds of new ads in the course of a year it seems like i mean i mm-hmm. i would i can't imagine like Maybe maybe a company that ha- that makes like a big fa- maybe like um, you know a company that makes a big fancy ad with Alec Baldwin and Missy Elliott um, and Jason Schwartzman and they that make- was the Amazon Echo I Amazon assume. Echo yeah. that they make like this big you know production for the Super Bowl and then they use little bits of that to repurpose them or, for- or whatever. Like maybe that maybe their ad budget is actually not that much less than Geico's, and they just use it differently on like big name celebrities and lots and lots of production and a big, really expensive ad buy in the Super Bowl. So maybe he's right. Maybe you could use that money differently and churn out different kinds of like really quick hit content pieces that that use the format more. Uh, effectively, yeah. Um, I I think that I've basically hit on most of his uh, like. What main does he say here. would be better? Is he saying that like these guy that yeah, he's saying that Geico it nailed it, yeah. absolutely nailed it. By he, his argument is, if you have a fifteen second commercial need, write a fifteen second script for it mm-hmm. and shoot that fifteen second script. And I don't know. I'm in a little bit over my head here because I don't know how budgetary things work. I barely know how podcasts work, um, but. Geico, I'm sure they have an enormous ad budget and a kind of a creative budget for coming up with these things, but they are pretty low budget commercials. Yeah. They're not like these really, they don't, I was about to say they don't use big names. Well, they use affordable big names. Mm-hmm. The big Geico ad destined just, you cannot avoid it now, is the iced tea at a right. lemonade stand, which is, has, Ice of course, not, the musician actor I mean, he's not, he's not D list. No, and I'm sure they had to pay for that. Um, the other one we mentioned uh, during the live Facebook Live, um, uh, the Geico ad, who they, Salt and Peppa, yeah. right? That's way more affordable. But, but that's as expensive as you get as far as a Geico paying for talent. It's true. They have mostly, they're just like, you know, uh, animatronic or, you know, a CGI gecko or, uh, you know, a, a nobody, just like yeah. no name actors. And like, think about like the, the ads that kind of stop halfway through their one shot. Elevator doors open, elevator doors close. Like there's not even camera movement in right. them. So they're just thinking about, I'm sure they do have a killer budget, but they're also not blowing their budget on these huge, glossy um, Matthew McConaughey falling into a pool. Right. You I know? also... Yeah, I know you're right. I was going to say maybe it's about the price point of the product too, but cuz I mean, you know, like a a luxury car, you ex- right. you really expect the production values of a luxury item to match the uh look and feel of the item itself whereas Geico is discount insurance. Like everyone's got to have insurance mm-hmm. and the basically if you live in a state where it's where you can have Geico or Progressive or any of these discount ones like yeah, you just want to know, like, what's the least insurance? What's the least amount of mm-hmm. money I have to pay for insurance? Of course, I mean, luxury car commercials, I'm not saying these are the best commercials in the world, but you can do a lot with just having a car 
on a set with a camera moving around it. Yeah. Whether you're Which putting, is much cheaper, you're which right. is much cheaper. Now it also gets a little repetitive. I'm not saying that's the those are the best commercials in the world, but remember the famous ball bearing ads? Right. Those couldn't have been that expensive, right? It was a car an actor, and then probably a lot of people setting up the mechanics of that ball bearing, kind of following the yeah. Essentially, of the for car. those who don't maybe don't remember this one, and I don't remember what brand of car it was. It was a car that was essentially sort of installed on a spindle, and they they set a ball bearing on one of like the seams of the door, of the car, or something. Um, oh, it was a Lexus. Oh, I I forgot it was on and a then, spindle. And though. That is a little as more. As they expensive. turn the car on this spindle. It shows like how the clean lines because the ball bearing never falls off the car. They keep ro- rotating the car so that the the ball bearing stays in the groove of the of the car. Almost like one of those kids games where you got to get the metal ball, you know, through yeah. the maze into the it's hole. It's kind of a cool ad. I'm you are. You of that I'm one. gonna I'm gonna try playing this, but I take it back though. I for I guess I totally forgot the point of this ad. I thought that they were just using a ball bearing and kind of showing the curvature of the car. I forgot. Like they have this whole apparatus of that moves this car around. This I'm sure actually was probably expensive. 1992 Lexus ES commercial ball bearing. Don't know if this has good sound or not. Every sports sedan is supposed to do well in the fast lane. But what about these lanes? They put the ball bearing in the little groove on the door. At Lexus, we've achieved extremely tight tolerances between all major body panels. So not only does the ES300 look like it's put together well... It it's total. It, it's, oh, that's total bullshit. It's yeah, total yeah, yeah. BS. Like, Those it's are, all camera tricks. They do show a car on a spindle, but then when they show the ball bearing going around, you don't see the car on the spindle. It's just, it's just bullshit. It's just close-up shots. So, yeah, that is a relatively cheap commercial to make. I mean, relatively. as a po- You know, you don't have these fancy uh, shots of the car driving through, the, uh, through a mountainous woods, and, you know, you're getting your... All your various shots of that. Although drones, I guess, kind of make some of that aerial stuff uh, cheaper. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting read, and we'll put it on the Facebook page in the in the group. Um, you do a roundup of all the stuff we talk about, all the commercials we talk about. Can I you, do. Can you include that? I will include it. All right. We want to uh, check in with the Ad Council and get all those emails of people saying how handsome we looked on Facebook Live. <laughs> What is uh, what is in the ad council? Do you need my computer for this? You want me to make sure I'm in the right place here? Uh, yeah, why don't you leave it there? Um, the uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm saving all of the how beautiful and handsome we looked emails for uh, another show. Oh, um, okay. So good. if you if you want to get those in, there's still time. Hey, really quick mention: this is our 50th episode. Happy 50th anniversary! Happy 50th anniversary! Um, this is from listener Eamon, um, who just notes uh, and from our show that where we talked about products that failed. Uh, and the commercials that uh, tried to keep them from failing. Uh, Eamon writes, you can still totally buy Zima in Japan. There's a pink Zima that is not so bad. Hmm. I would definitely... Uh, I'd try a pink Zima. I would try I would try any Zima. Um, we're, yeah, we were talking about this on the show, right? Not on the Facebook Live thing. I, 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 would, I miss Zima. I would totally buy a Zima. <laughs> I say that now. I'd probably have one and be done again for the next 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I think they were but, pretty sweet, weren't they? Uh, anyway, uh, Eamon, next time you're uh, in the States. Wait, you probably are in the States and maybe just visited Japan. Anyway, get us some Zima. What else we got? Uh, this is from a listener uh, via Facebook. and um, Oh, I'm sorry, not via Facebook, but via email. 
but there was no name that was attached to it. So whoever you are, thank you for sending it in. Uh, if you want to send me an email with your name, I will give you credit. Um, but uh, this listener said, I saw this ad on, N- on the NFL network uh, late in the night, and I thought for sure it was fake at first. It seemed so unironically pure and wholesome, like a unicorn of commercials. <laughs> this is for a product called Golf Snickers. And I agree, uh-huh. this, I, this does not seem like a real product. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at this. I have not seen this yet. You really want to be the 88th person out on the course in khakis? If not, then golfnickers.com has your look with the world's greatest selection of golf It's just all these like classic, you know, big goofy looking pants that end at the below the knee with the with the argyle socks. Huge bright colors and checks, and they end at the knee, and then you wear like a like a argyle sock pulled up over it, and then the ridiculous matching golf cap. And I mean, they show all these adults hanging out at the golf course. Like dressed like clowns, and they really and they they try to give you all these ideas in the commercial about how you could use it. Like it could be fun for a work outing. I would quit my <laughs> job if my if I like showed up for like work retreat day or like. Well, work th- maybe fun they day. just meant like a work outing on the links. No, no, they would say like a co- like company really? parties. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, that would be weird. When you can you imagine if you showed up and they were like, "Everybody, get into your crazy golf knickers! It's going to be so fun." Or what if you're the only one who wears them? That would be weird. That you just show up and it's like, <laughs> "Hey, we're at the picnic." Hey, it's golfing, right? This is what you golf in. It reminds you just like I thought it was Caddyshack themed. <laughs> Even in Caddyshack, they don't wear these don't kind they? of clothes. Doesn't a uh, knight? What's his name? Uh, no, Ted Knight? I, don't, I no? don't think he does. I mean, this right. is really crazy. This is like golfing from like the 1930s. I'm going to look up Ted Knight Caddyshack. This show has just become me Googling pictures of Ted Knight. Um, you're right. He doesn't. No, he wears, he, like, he wears you know, pretty slightly bell bottomy pants. Yeah, but. I remembered it wrong. I owe you an apology. Okay, what else we got? Um, all right. This is from uh, listener Andy about Tim, the hot Travago guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, is this. Is this the Andy who wrote in about him in the first place, too? No, I think that was a different listener. Okay. Uh, maybe Glenn, Graham, somebody. Anyway. I could look it up. Sorry, but... Glenn or Graham. Uh, this is, uh, he says, regarding the Trivago guy, he wasn't always considered quite so handsome, at least to some, uh, because Trivago had to update his look after there were complaints that he looked, quote, homeless. And if you want to click on that article, sure, yeah. this is from CNN.com. Really quickly, because I didn't know what Trivago was before last week. Trivago is a travel uh, site like uh, Travelocity or something like that, right? Yep. And there was a, um, the, the spokesman for him. Uh, so that's right. We did a, sh- a whole show on cr- crushes, people that you crush on. Right. And some folks said that he has the look. Um, so in the new guy, in, and so this is from, I don't know when this, with the, when this uh, article is from. Uh, November of 2014. So a couple of years ago. Um, in a brief new in a brief new commercial, Tim Travago Guy Williams comes across as more polished than the disheveled pitchman he was a few months ago. His hair is nicely tousled, his slim fit shirt hugs his torso, and he has a fashionable touch of face stubble. Um, apparently, the newer look was a response to complaints, uh, some wry, some serious, according to this article, uh, that the company got. Uh, because people were saying that he looked like disheveled and homeless, and I don't know if this picture that they're that we're seeing here is the one where he they think he looks homeless. If so, I think you need to get some. You need to be around some more homeless people. Yeah, no, they have another. So they have the new a picture of him in the newish ads, but they have another video here of which I'm not sure if this is supposed to be an old ad or not. But he looks just as handsome in the old ad to me. Yeah, people are again. People are. 
not familiar with what actual homelessness looks like. Okay. Well, I mean, even if they're being hyperbolic about it, here's... Oh, no. They're saying that the one up in the top is the... The one that we actually used on the show as an example of being a hottie, uh, uh, McHotty with the banging body was the homeless look, I think. Look, here's an article from CNN from August of 2014 saying, does the Travago guy need a makeover? And it's a still shot of him in the oh. gray shirt opened well, see, uh, yeah, to the I, second button. I can't tell which one is supposed to be the, the disheveled one. But anyway, that's He's not wearing a belt. They're pointing out that he, his, his shirt is tucked in, but he's not wearing a belt. Oh. And that the slacks are hanging a little bit here. Uh, rumpled shirt, five o'clock shadow, tussled hair, and no belt. Why no belt? Many has pondered. Anyway. I, I guess because the cops took it. I think they were going for a kind of somewhat casually, ruggedly handsome type of situation. By the way, good joke. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, all right. So thank you, uh, Andy, for that. Uh, it was good, interesting to know that they uh, that they retooled him a little bit. Uh, also about Travago Tim, this is from listener Corinne. Uh, when you guys first asked us to share our TV crushes, I nearly listed the Travago guy, but I was embarrassed. My husband hates him and can't figure out why I think he's so cute. I was relieved to find out that I'm not the only one who likes him. So you're not alone. Your Karen. husband hates him because you like yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. That's how this stuff works. You can't sell anything. You can sell anything. Oh, if we do this fast, we can get this under just under an hour. Everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to join us on the new Facebook page, uh, just uh, I guess just go to Facebook and search for After These Messages podcast, and you'll see a page and you'll see a group. Join the one with all the little icons that have all the different people posting. That's right. Uh, email us at After These Messages Show at Gmail and give us a call at 607 444 5597. Again, that's 607 444 5597. We've gotten some of your voice voicemails just because you didn't hear them today doesn't mean that we're not going to play them at some point in the future please leave us a lot of voicemails we love it all right everybody it's tuesday night so i'll just say have a good wednesday Vives, you have a good wednesday any final shots let's get out of here let's get out of here what can you do to the kid totally stupid and sick no scruples cool man ice cream scooping it I want you to get me a pee popper for my birthday. You just learn how to use a microphone. I'm joking. I'm going to get you a book called How to Use a Microphone for Your Birthday. Boom.